0: This is Conquering Columbus.
1: Hey, everybody. Andy here, and you're listening to the Conquering Columbus podcast. We hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving week with family and friends, and we're excited because we have a great episode lined up for you today. During this interview, Mike got the chance to chat with Justin, and ACO, and Mark Fleming Jr. from TalentShare. Early on in the interview, Mike asked Justin, who's a professional lacrosse player, how he ended up co-founding TalentShare.
0: It was during COVID, when I was sitting in my room for about six hours a day, studying Mm -hmm. for the MCAT. And I'm like, do I really want to pursue this? Like, is this going to make me happy? And don't get me wrong, I love helping people. And like, that's why I think I was so drawn to medicine. But I just knew that going the med school route probably just wasn't for me. So I decided to expand my horizons and try something else. So I ended up getting an internship that summer at the Center for Innovation Strategies at Ohio State. And my whole responsibility that summer was find a problem within the sport industry and create a solution.
1: Later, Mark spoke about where the product is at today and where they're hoping to go. So what we're working on right now is really working with kind of a select group of Ohio State athletes, as Mm -hmm. well
0: as
2: facilities to sort of coordinate two to three athletes for recurring lessons through the winter. So we Can get 12 to 15 to 30 kids, you know, in these lessons start to build some monetization for the athletes and then really kind of build momentum as we go into the spring and then really a little bit further. So that's sort of where we're at today. And we've kind of taken a pause on marketing. We have some pretty cool content that we're about to push out, but we'll probably wait until February, March, something like
1: that. Once, <laughs> once we get a race on Shine yeah. here in Columbus, Ohio. Towards the end of the interview, Justin talked about the focus of talent share and the problem they are trying to solve for non-revenue, non-football or basketball student athletes.
0: I think the main focus was honestly the non-revenue sports, the kids who aren't getting those $500,000 NIL deals. Kids that still have school debt to pay off because full riots are very, very rare to come by. That's I think the biggest benefit from Talent Share is it allows those types of athletes to really, really make a lot of money and also provide their their skills and share their skills with youth athletes around the community.
1: As usual, there is a ton of stuff you can learn from the guests in this episode, so we hope you enjoy it. Let's get the show on the road. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another
3: episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is your co-host, Mike here. And today on the show, we're talking with Mark Fleming Jr. and Justin Anasio from Talent Share. If you've been following Conquering Columbus, you might know that Mark has been on before exactly a year ago. We released his episode uh, talking about one of his previous ventures, Signature Closers, LLC. And today we're going to be talking about with him about his latest venture, TalentShare, which is an app designed to connect collegiate athletes with younger local athletes looking for coaching and training opportunities. Joining with Mark is Justin Anacio, former OSU lacrosse player and current professional lacrosse player, as well as the chief marketing officer at TalentShare. We are super excited to talk with them more about Talent Share, what getting things off the ground has been like and where they hope to take it in the future and more. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. And now that we're out of that intro that nobody else heard, I was butchering it all the way up to uh, this point, but let's start with some introductions. So first things first, can you talk about yourselves a little bit and maybe we'll start with Justin?
0: Yeah, for sure. My name is Justin Anasio, a recent graduate of the Ohio State University. Came in 2017 and ended up doing five years. Shout out COVID year. (laughs) <laughs> um mm-hmm. just uh recently graduated in 2022. And since then I'm actually from Canada. So I mean I visited a bunch of different schools and
3: is lacrosse big in Canada?
0: It is. I didn't I was not aware. Yeah, we had about seven or eight Canadians on our team last year. Huh? Yeah.
3: I'm surprised new hockey, right? Like that makes sense. And I guess yeah. it makes sense that lacrosse would be pretty big too, considering, you know, it is a more of a North American sport. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't know that it was a bigger sport in Canada as well.
0: All the kids that can't make in hockey usually pursue lacrosse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> At least okay. that was my case. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, visit a bunch of different schools and fell in love with Ohio State. I mean, how can you not? And yeah, decided to stay here after post-college because I loved it so much. Since I was on previously, I'll keep my intro pretty short,
2: but connected with Justin over this idea of creating an app to bring together collegiate athletes with youth athletes. Justin had worked on a similar project or a company called Reps while he was at The Ohio State. Excuse me, Justin. I think I heard you say The Ohio State. And, you know, we both, I think we're aligned in our vision and saw the potential. And so we've connected and basically consider Justin a co-founder. I'm a co-founder. We have uh, a third person involved that's on the technical side uh, to actually build <laughs> the things that we come up with. Right.
3: That's important. The yeah. building part.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. So excited to be here and
3: uh, happy to to talk with you tonight. Fantastic. Yeah. And so... The the is important, by the way. We trademarked that. Mm -hmm. We got a trademark on the word the (laughs) at Ohio State. So there's only one, the OSU. But I'm curious, you know, when we talk about this app, and and I guess probably a good place to start is where the idea came from. And it sounds like, Justin, you were working on something similar for a little bit in college. So can you tell me a little more about that and kind of where this idea started to uh, germinate, so to speak?
0: Yeah. So a little context with my background. I uh, was a bio pre-med major. Uh, At Ohio State. Welcome. You too? Yeah. I was pre-dental, but I mean, same kind of similar stuff. You're a dentist now? Absolutely not. not You're a a doctor? doctor? Not a doctor.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to being an athlete and taking pre-med and thinking you're going to be okay. Yeah,
0: nope. (laughs) (laughs) So, long story short, it was during COVID when I was sitting in my room for about six hours a day studying Mm -hmm. for the MCAT. And I'm like, do I really want to pursue this? Like, is this going to make me happy? Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, I love helping people. And like, that's why I think I was so drawn to medicine but I just knew that going the med school route, coming a surgeon probably just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. So I decided to expand my horizons and try something else. So I ended up getting an internship that summer at the Center for Innovation Strategies at Ohio State. And basically it was like a sport accelerator program. And my whole responsibility that summer was to find a problem within the sport industry and create a solution. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going through this program was condensed tail eight weeks. I had an outreach week. I ended up talking to 135 different people, hopping on calls with them. I was like, current coaches, current players, media companies, equipment companies, and youth organizations. Mm -hmm. And the biggest problem that I found after talking to them, mining all the data, it was just accessible coaching opportunities. And from my own experience, from being on both sides of private lessons and finding these accessible coaches, sorry, I knew that was a very, very prevalent problem mm-hmm. in today's industry, not just for lacrosse, but for many other different sports, because I know how many utilize the private sessions with college athletes and even pro athletes as well. Mm-hmm. So I created a company called Reps, and that was during my fifth year. I think it was around November. I uh, actually registered as a company. And at that time, Mark can definitely tell his side, but me and Mark connected and ended up talking, staying in contact. He had a similar idea and it got to a point where we were talking, we're like, instead of competing for the same market, Mm -hmm. his was all sports. Mine was just lacrosse, but instead of just competing, we knew how big it could get and it will get. Mm -hmm. So uh, we decided to join forces and and work together.
3: Yeah, it's definitely an interesting idea. And it's one of those things that makes a lot of sense, right? Especially when you talk about athletics, right? You mentioned the importance of private coaching and getting that chance and experience with great coaches. Well, I mean, they talk about it even in Freakonomics, right? Has has anybody here read Freakonomics? Old book. Okay, so Freakonomics, they talk about why something like 90, 80% of professional baseball players, MLB players, were born in the month of like July or August. And it's because that's the last month before you sign up for Little League that you'd be the oldest you could possibly be. And then you get access to the travel teams and the good coaches and then the more good coaches and, and by playing more, now you're tra- playing travel baseball, you're getting better and better. And if you don't have the money to invest in that travel baseball, then you're going to fall behind. But then you won't make that travel team anymore and you won't make that junior varsity team as a freshman or, you know, so on and so forth. And it ultimately leads to a gap that you can't make up for. So access to good coaching is fundamentally super important to anybody who wants to compete at a high level. But I guess you mentioned something that intrigues me here. So you, he said that you were working on something similar at the same time how did you guys end up bumping into each other?
2: Yeah, I, w- I was working on something similar. Actually, as it happened, a good friend of mine, kind of the co-creator of this idea, his name's Dan Delucia. Mm-hmm. At the time, he was the pitching coach at Ohio State. So we've stayed in touch. Uh, you mentioned travel baseball. We actually met through travel baseball. I think we were, gosh, sixth grade, maybe something mm-hmm. like that. So don't want to age myself, but <laughs> 25 plus years, something like that. Yeah. I've known him. And we were having coffee in Upper Arlington at Crimson Cup, just sitting there talking. And all this stuff with NIL was taking place. Mm -hmm. And so we had seen that there were a number of opportunities for athletes to make money, but it was primarily football and men's basketball. And, you know, we both felt strongly that there's sort of an inequity there. And we wanted to create opportunities for other athletes. And he had a story of a pitcher that he had on the team. And that pitcher was bussing tables Mm -hmm. at Sayota Country Club. And, you know, it's great. He can network and whatever and meet people. But, uh, you know, Dan kind of indicated, man, you're like an all Big Ten pitcher. You could probably be charging, you know, 50 bucks a kid, get five kids together, make 250 Mm -hmm. bucks in an hour and you're making 15. Yep. And Hmm. the challenge was this, this athlete, (laughs) you've heard this. So this athlete was like, I have no idea where to start, right? I don't know where to begin. Where do I find the parents? How do I market myself? Mm -hmm. Um, And this is an all big 10 pitcher at the Ohio state university. So clearly, you know, an elite athlete that could bring a lot to the table for youth athletes. So after hearing that, you know, my experience previously, I won't dive in too deep, but had a network of notaries across the United States and kind mm-hmm. of helped manage sort of a marketplace, kind of a two sided marketplace. We had notaries and then we had like lenders and title companies kind of connected the two. And so, you know, kind of thought to ourselves, okay, well, this is sort of similar. So why don't we pursue that opportunity or that mm-hmm. idea? So that was sort of where the idea was born on my side. And as I was vetting the idea, I actually connected with uh, Nick Myers, who is the coach at Ohio State, the lacrosse team, as well as uh, Amy Bacher on the women's side and a few mm-hmm. other coaches. And Nick was like, "Oh, I got this young guy, Justin. He's pretty, you know, great guy. He's got a similar business. You guys got to connect." And so he made the introduction. And I think from the first time I talked to Justin, I came away super impressed. We were pretty much on the same page. And at that time, we were just trying to figure out how we could work together, or are we going to end up competing? Mm-hmm. And you know, I definitely think Justin we're had a leg like up awkward across. Stare across right. the table, <laughs> like, "Hey, what? You know, yeah, what are, are you we, doing we, here? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a staring contest to see who would blink first, but." you know, ultimately I think Justin, obviously with his experience and his relationships and obviously his connections and lacrosse brought a ton to the table. And so, you know, we basically said, why would we compete? We're in the same city, same concept, same idea. And
3: so that's mm-hmm. how we connected in the beginning. Yeah. And so once you guys kind of decide to go together, first step is, so with this type of a product, right, there's a kind of a couple of different ways you could go about it. So I'm curious about how you guys decided to tackle what is a thorny problem, right? There's Number one, right? Who do you get first? Do you get the kids that are looking for coaching first? Or do you get the coaches first and then hope they bring the kids? And then the secondary thing is building the actual product and making it work. So I'm wondering how you guys started about that and how you thought about that problem of like, who are we going to bring to the table first in this situation?
2: So, you know, what's interesting about that, we had put together a sort of prototype or an overview of what we wanted the product to be Noah Brandyberry is our Mm -hmm. technical co-founder. So he and I had really sat down in the beginning and talked about, okay, what are some of the features that we think this product needs? Mm -hmm. So we had started down the road already. When we connected with Justin, I think we'd really kind of settled on the idea that, okay, we have a two-sided marketplace, which is always challenging, like you said. Mm -hmm. You know, what do we attack first? And I think we really thought to ourselves that between Justin's connections and then also the need to have Ohio State athletes involved and engaged and bought in, that would be where we'd start because... From a parenting perspective, you know, I have daughters. And so I said to myself, okay, if I go on an app, mm-hmm. somebody gets me to sign up and there's nobody on there, my experience is horrible. So why would I stick around? Right. You know, you burn that bridge right away. Whereas I think we've done a pretty good job through, you know, just staying in close contact with, we probably have, I don't know, 30, 30 40 athletes on the app today mm-hmm. that we have really kind of cultivated a relationship with where we can talk to them and say, hey, what features do you want? We created an athlete advisory council There were, I think, 16 Ohio State athletes from various sports
3: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: to get their feedback and also to show them the inside of the business. And so by getting them on the app first, I think we're at a place where we have a close relationship, we can communicate timelines, and then once we're ready, which will probably be the spring, we'll start the marketing push to get more parents on the app just with the weather being better. So that's, that's sort of what our
3: approach was and is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so you get the athletes on, and I'm curious now... Are they setting a rate for themselves? Is there kind of... How does that end the things work? Because I imagine, right, like, not all athletes have as much time available as others. And, you know, me as a walk-on wrestler, right, I wouldn't have been charging the same that Logan Stieber was charging for an hour of his time. So, for those of you who don't know, Logan Stieber was a four-time NCAA champion. So, he was pretty good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, on the app right now, on the profile page, they can really, really express their accolades and their achievements and things along those lines. And, yeah, they do get to set their own rates. So... For example, we have Ben Randall, who is a premier lacrosse league Mm all-star on the platform. Yep. So he probably has the authority to charge a little bit more than a sophomore at Ohio State currently.
3: Yeah. And it's interesting to me as well. Like, are they setting the, okay, here's dates and times that I have available? Or is it, I'm just making that connection and then letting you guys figure out the schedule? So we actually thought about that a lot in the Mm -hmm. beginning. Right now,
2: the way it's structured, and of course, with anything in a startup, you know, subject to change, right? But- We do have the athletes entering their calendar, so their availability is there. Mm -hmm. And one of the features that we're recently adding or adding like pretty much this week. So originally, if an athlete had not updated their availability, we were just saying, you know, no upcoming availability. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to add a box basically that says message me for availability. And we think that's going to accomplish a couple of things. One, it lets the athlete know, hey, there is somebody interested in a lesson from you, even if you don't have anything on your calendar. But then the second thing is we're going to allow the athlete then to respond back, but we're going to limit that communication to be pretty much just calendar availability. Right. To keep them on the app, right? I mean, that's one of the big challenges with something like this is, mm-hmm. you know, if I got to know Mike was an amazing wrestler, beat Logan in practice one day, you know, I don't, nope. know, if ever, I don't know if that ever happened, but, nope. you know, but maybe I, maybe Mike's a great coach, right? He so, was a world
3: champion though, so I don't feel too bad about that.
2: <laughs> second place isn't too bad in that situation. So, <laughs> but, you know, if, if uh, we decided, okay, Mike would be a great coach for our kids Maybe I'll just text you directly, right? So we Mm -hmm. want to avoid that and sort of build... Yeah,
3: that was the other other aspect. So this is actually... Because it's funny that you guys both had the same idea. This idea actually has crossed my mind as well in the past. It's just, you know, being an athlete, it's like, okay, yeah. There's a whole bunch of athletes out there that could be making more money than they are. So one of the most frustrating things about being an athlete pre-NIL laws was that if you went and coached at a camp or something, they couldn't pay you more than they'd pay Joe Schmo off the street here for coaching wrestling, right? Like, you know, no matter how good you were. They were like, doesn't matter. $25 an hour. That's the max, whatever it is. Right. And that was super frustrating. And then when that NIL passed, it was like, great. People could actually charge what they're worth to be a coach. And that idea kind of triggered it. But what we were just talking about was something that was a major problem that would be hard to work through is why should I pay you Is the middle? I'm guessing that the monetization scheme for you guys is something to do with taking a percentage of the transactions that occur through the app, So why pay the middleman once I have the athlete's information and I know them?
0: So I want to talk about a situation I had actually very similar to that. It was my freshman year, and that was prior to name Mm -hmm. image likeness. I was going home. I think it was for Thanksgiving break, and my local club team that I used to play for wanted me to be the headliner coach at this camp they were running, yep. And they made this banner poster that they wanted to post on social media. Couldn't do it, have my name exactly. Can't do it, nope. Yeah, no, and they I, can't even.
3: They can't even if you're not making money off of it, they can't make money off yep. your name.
0: So I sent it to compliance, and compliance was like, Nope, yeah, nope, you can't, it was ridiculous. Can't use man. your name, oh. can't use a picture, can't even use Ohio State. So <laughs> yep. all they could say is a current college athlete, yeah, <laughs> with like a blackout, like, Can a you believe that, like, I
3: mean, yeah, prior to NIL. The ridiculousness, the hoops that you had to jump through. So there was actually someone told me that let's say you come back twenty years after you've done competing, right? Someone looks at you and say, "Did you play the cross at Ohio State?" Let me buy you a drink because you bought, played with cross at Ohio State. That's a violation.
0: Even like twenty years prior later
3: to NIL prior to NIL laws, because you are an athlete from cradle to grave, according to the NCAA. So if you get bought a drink now, no one's ever been. There's no way they'd be crucified if they tried to stick that on someone. But I was told that that is actually like considered technically a violation. Wow. I know that. At least prior to NIL. I assume it's not anymore because now you can like, oh, hey, you're so-and-so, right? You're winning it off your name, image, and likeness. So you're fine to get that drink. But yes, that's what I was told.
0: Yeah. And the other thing you mentioned. But yeah, sorry. We're going back to what we were talking about.
3: (laughs) I I could go off on the NCAA (laughs) all day. I agree. I totally agree. Going back to what we were talking about, we were talking about keeping people in the app and not allowing them to, you know, like, again, that's one of the big things is you could lose a lot of money after, pay hey, one session, now I'm going to go offline and do it. So what prevents that from happening?
0: So Mark, Noah, and I have had many discussions regarding that. And one thing for at least the beginning part of this process, we want to give the coaches, you know, 100% of whatever they're charging. Because mm-hmm. if we're taking it like 20, 25% away from them, they're going to be like, you oh, screw this. I'm going to work around this app. Here's my number. Here's my Venmo. Just text mm-hmm. me, we can get lessons another time. So by giving them 100% of whatever they're charging, we're gonna just charge a little service fee to the parents like an Uber style, kind of like that. Makes complete sense. Yeah, and we just wanna make it as convenient and as appealing to the coaches mm-hmm. so they don't have a need to really work off the platform. Another thing, how we wanna get parents to stay on the platform as well as we talked about a, a reward program. So you get like reward points every single time mm-hmm. you do a lesson. And we're in the process of partnering with some equipment companies. And I know Mark's got a lot of things in the works right now. But yeah, so we're uh, definitely still a work in progress, but that's our plan right now.
3: And so something that we haven't talked about much, Justin, is you're doing all of this while also playing professional lacrosse? Yes. How the heck does that work?
0: So I I played, I got drafted Mm -hmm. like right after a college season was over I had to go to training camp and lacrosse isn't like many other sports where it's full-time job, it's mm-hmm. going to pay the bills, you know, it's part-time job. It's, yeah, <laughs> You're not getting paid to make a living. So that allows me to pursue other opportunities such as this. Mm-hmm. Something that happened recently, though, I tore my ACL. Yeah, tore my ACL, partially torn meniscus. LCL, MCL. So I blew out my knee pretty good.
3: Yeah, that's all the L's. Yep. It's <laughs> yeah, not, not what you want. I'm sorry to hear
0: that. No, um, all good. It's been an emotional few weeks, but now I'm just focused on recovery. I have surgery set for November 23rd. So I won't be playing this winter season in the National Lacrosse League. Which sucks, but you know everything happens for a reason. I'm a firm believer in that and allows me to pursue things like talent share and really, mm-hmm. really get this going off the ground. And I'm excited to do that.
3: Good. Yeah. Well, good luck with surgery. I mean, I know it's never fun to blow out a knee. Nobody <laughs> likes blowing out a knee and, and it's tough, but I mean, recovery times have consistently gone down. So hopefully uh, you're back at it here quickly as we kind of can continue on with the show. So we, we've talked a little bit about the setup and the product. Now, where are things at today? Is the product in the place where it's been used? It's being used and you guys are actively pushing it out. Like what are the current initiatives you guys are working on? So right now, if you go onto the app store, mm-hmm. whether that's Apple or Android, there
2: is a working prototype or probably not, prototype is not the right word, MVP version of the app. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is available. We have probably 30 to 40 Ohio State athletes, as I mentioned earlier, on the app itself. We have not done a lot in terms of marketing it to parents. I think our hope was that we would get it out in the summer when the weather was better. And, you know, so for example, one of the features we have currently on the app you can add facilities you have access to. So that could be a park, that could be your house. If you have a basketball mm-hmm. hoop, that could be you know, a swim club you belong to, if you have mm-hmm. a swimmer, whatever that might be. And the athletes can do the same. So they have the RPAC, potentially, they can't use, you know, we talked about this before the show, but athletic facilities at the Ohio State University are off limits if it's like an athlete facility. Because that's
3: not part of your name, image, or likeness. Right. That is
2: the Ohio State's facility, not yours. So um, the RPAC or things that you have access to as a student just at Ohio State would be accessible. So what you do is when you set up your profile, you add those facilities to your profile. And then when you're scheduling the appointment, you can sort of pick basically among those options what facility it is that you want to schedule at. So we have that ability built into the app today. But, you know, obviously the winter comes around in Columbus, Ohio, and the drive here you guys can relate to. It's like 39 and sleeting rain Mm -hmm. or something tonight, so probably not the best night to be outside. So we've had a few lessons through the app. Justin's taught a few lessons. Uh, My daughter's actually done some lessons. I'll shout out to Delaney Lawler, Ohio State Field Hockey. She's amazing. And there have been like a few. And so what we're working on right now is really working with kind of a select group of Ohio State athletes as Mm -hmm. well as facilities to sort of coordinate two to three athletes for recurring lessons through the winter so we can get 12 to 15 to 30 kids, you know, in these lessons, start to build some monetization for the athletes. I mean, we won't make a whole heck of a lot and that's okay. And then really kind of build momentum as we go into the spring and then really a little bit further. So that's sort of where we're at today. And we've kind of taken a pause on marketing. We have some, I think some pretty cool content that we're about to push out, but we'll probably wait until February, March, something like that. (laughs) Once we get a ray of sunshine here in Columbus, Ohio. So...
3: that? What's the future look like? Where are you guys trying to expand? I mean, I'm guessing that just having, you know, these particular like Ohio State, right? That's probably a little small for the scale that you guys are thinking about. So how do we grow that? How do we continue to push that to other locations and maybe other areas outside of just college athletics?
0: Yeah, we've had many conversations about that. Initially, we want to start locally in Columbus, around Ohio State, maybe surrounding schools as well, just so we can get feedback on the initial product, get feedback from these athletes, from the parents and figure out how to make the best possible product. So when we do expand, it's a very, very efficient, easy, convenient, appealing app to use. But that's definitely our main focus right now.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think proving the model mm-hmm. is, is the biggest piece, and honestly, what better testing ground than Central Ohio with Ohio State? Because yep. part of the beauty of Ohio State, whether you love Ohio State or hate Ohio State, the reality is they are sort of the pinnacle of college athletics, mm-hmm. um, really in every sport. Obviously, football. And, and I it's, agree. Dri- obviously, drives that wrestling, a little, but you know, especially wrestling. <laughs> wrestling <laughs> hey, yeah, wrestling's right up there. Lacrosse, right? of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, you know, these are not only exceptional athletes, but it's a community that supports athletics. And a lot of the country looks to Ohio State for leadership. I mean, during COVID, I remember there was a lot of involvement from Ohio State and the athletic department about how are we going to play these things, making decisions. And so we feel like if we have Ohio State athletes on board, that's a really good start. And then as we expand, you know, we're looking geographically kind of city by city because one of the mistakes I've seen maybe with some other apps, you know, they try to go national right away. And Mm. it kind of comes back to the original Situation I brought up earlier where as a parent or even as an athlete if I get on the app and the other side isn't there It's not saturated then my experience is horrible. So, you know, I don't really want to be on that app anymore So for us, I think it'll be city by city We'll be focused on cities that have you know decent sized universities decent sized population But the reality is like you can go on the app today if you're you know collegiate athlete You're listening to this and st. Petersburg, Mm -hmm. Florida, whatever you can go on the app. You can create a profile. We actually are launching like individual links that you can then use to essentially market yourself through Instagram or other other avenues, social media. Call up the local lacrosse team. Call your select team you used to work with, um, and you can use it. So we're not preventing that, but we're also not publicizing that we're in some of these other cities. But like yeah. Justin said, I think part of this too is figuring out our model. Like I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we had mentioned okay, we're giving 100 percent to the athlete. I don't know that that'll be permanent. I think part of that really is driven by the fact that a lot of these athletes are already teaching lessons. And so if I walked over to Justin, and I was like, hey man, we want you to sign up for this awesome app, get on it. It's great. You know, we'll help manage this for you. We'll, you know, expose you to a wider audience. And Justin's like, well, I already got full lessons like, and oh, by the way, we're going to keep 25%. I I don't know if Justin's going to sign up. So the idea I think initially is if you're somebody who has sort of lessons set up already, we want to encourage you to have a reason to be on the app. So, Mm -hmm. you know, other than a little bit of an additional fee to the parent, I think there's a lot of value add that we can drive and we'll continue to drive rewards programs and more. And then, you know, as we go into other markets, we'll look at what that looks like and kind of you know, pivot and figure out what we need to figure out as we go market by market. So that's the strategy at the moment. I think we want to take our time to prove it here in Columbus and then go from there.
3: So the other question I have, and this is actually not on the script, so we can always cut this, but I'm curious with NIL, right, comes the major athletes that you think would be a big draw for this type of app. They're already making a lot of money, right? I mean, you look at say CJ Stroud or, you know, one of those types of guys, right? Bryce Young, the big name. Football players, big name basketball players, they're getting those deals and they're making a ton of money and they probably aren't looking to do a lot of lessons. So what I'm curious about is like, have you guys had resistance to that and saying like, look, I'm not even looking to do lessons. Like, why would I want to do this? What's interesting about that, so we actually have sort of a partnership with NIL management here in Mm -hmm.
2: Columbus. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Ed Brown and Zach Beebe. You know, they represent or work with a lot of the athletes you just mentioned, whether that's CJ Stroud, Trayvon Henderson, and others that are, you know, the bigger names. And the reality is, you know, I I don't think that you're going to see them on the app on the regular for lessons. I do Mm -hmm. think that there's a scenario where group lessons could be made affordable, where it's worth their time. You know, they do something where there's 50 kids, 50 bucks a kid, that's 2,500 bucks. Okay, that adds up and it's worth it. But I think what's kind of an interesting piece to the puzzle that we've thought about, you had mentioned earlier, I think very early in the episode about just the gap in terms of like, okay, if you don't have the ability to pay for travel ball, then you know, you lose Mm -hmm. that opportunity. There's a gap. Well Reality is a lot of people don't have that ability. And so, you know, around central Ohio, there's affluent communities, whether that's, you know, the upper Arlington's, Dublin's of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that those parents are able to afford these lessons, but there Mm -hmm. are other communities that are not so fluent or not so able to do that. And so we do have aspirations to build out, whether it's through collectives or businesses, a pool of money that will be dedicated to Sort of these lessons that are for people that can't afford them. So I think there will be a scenario, I hope, where we can go to a CJ Stroud, we can go to a Travion Henderson, talk to them a little bit about, you know, hey, we're offering this as something that people can't afford otherwise. We have this pool of money, so we will pay you for your time. You know, it's probably not something you want to do every single day, but there may be yeah. an opportunity. So I think there's potential there. And I do think that in particular, if you're not like, so there's a lot of football players that, you know, they may be household names in Central Ohio, but they're not, mm-hmm. you know, moving the needle for, you know, millions of dollars in endorsements. Yep. I think there's still an opportunity there and they have a lot of knowledge. Or, I mean, heck, the fourth string quarterback, I couldn't tell you who it is, but they probably have a lot to offer and this yep. may be appealing to them. So, and that could be pretty cool because maybe they're an incoming freshman, five star kid that, I mean, who knows? Maybe they have an NIL deal already, but but if yeah. they don't, you know, there may be an opportunity here as well.
0: Yeah, and as we uh, discussed, and as we're proceeding with Talent Share, I think the main focus was honestly the non-revenue sports. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids who aren't getting those five hundred thousand dollar NIL deals, mm-hmm. kids that still have you know school debt to pay off because full riots are very, very rare to come by. Yeah. So that's, I think, the biggest benefit mm-hmm. from talent share is it allows those types of athletes to really, really make a lot of money and also provide their skills and share their skills with youth athletes around the community.
3: Yeah, I don't know what lacrosse is like, but I do know in wrestling, you get nine and a half full scholarships with 10 starters. So there's less full scholarships than there are starting athletes on the Ohio State wrestling team. So people think of football, there's like a hundred and something scholarships. They're like, oh man, you're so lucky to compete like... Most athletes outside of the major sports are paying their way.
0: Yeah. So there's a for a roster of forty eight guys, we had twelve point six full scholarships mm-hmm. for lacrosse. And yeah, very does, similar, does very similar up. ratio. Yeah.
3: Very similar ratio to wrestling, right? Outside of football, basketball, the money making sports, right? Those scholarships are not nearly as there. So next time you look at those soft athletes all making all the making all the money and getting free rides to school, just remember that. <laughs> Well, that's speaking of which, you know, you brought up a a good point and something I think that's worth
2: mentioning. One of the features that we're hoping to add, you know, we realize that student loan debt is an issue, you know, Mm -hmm. universally across society and that applies to most athletes as well. And so we have talked about adding like a tip button so that at the end of a lesson, a parent could go Mm -hmm. ahead and, you know, Hey, I'm going to add a $5, you know, tip basically for the athlete. And instead of having that money go towards God only knows what on the weekend, we could integrate that too. There's various parties and partners out there that have student loan repayment platforms. So we may allow the athletes to advertise, Hey, I have $50,000 of student loans. Parent puts five bucks towards it, automatically pays down five bucks on the principal loan. So that's something that's on our radar as far as just, you know, one of the ways we can add value, I think over
3: time. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. And I think that would be a very, maybe at the time the student athletes might not see the value of that, but I think it would be very valuable in the long run. So, a couple last questions guys, and then we'll get you out of here. but uh first one is any advice for our listeners and just so you guys know who we're talking to, typically in Columbus, Ohio, they're interested in what's going on from a business perspective anywhere from twenty five to you know late forties, early fifties typically, I say this every time typically because I'm waiting for somebody to comment and say, "I'm not in your category, but yes, <laughs> I know there's more people out there, but that's the typical range. Well, when Justin's on the
2: podcast, we may, may get some people that are younger than your what twenty five right but You know, my advice would be having gone through this, my prior company, we were able to kind of bootstrap, scale, sold it to a Fortune 800 company, publicly traded. So going into this with talent share, I'm like, oh man, we'll be able to build this. You know, we have, you know, I have the experience, I've done this, we'll build it and people Mm -hmm. will come along. And the reality is, you know, it doesn't work that way. Right. I mean, so even though we think we have this amazing technology, amazing offering, there's still a lot of work that goes into that. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that should scare people, but I also think you should understand when you're starting a business, if you don't see instant success, Mm -hmm. that's to be expected. And I look back to my days at Signature and it was a grind, you know? I mean, that's the reality. If you want to grow a business, it takes some dedication. It takes some hustle. Uh, We're realizing that, or I'm realizing that all over again. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes that makes you appreciate the journey a little more when you look back because you think, okay, I remember the days when I had to put in that hustle and here we are today and it pays off. So, you know, my advice would be, if you have an idea, you think you can solve a problem, take the time to vet it, and you know, don't be afraid
0: of the hard work that comes along with it. So that's been my experience, especially recently. For me, the whole time I've grown up and thought about being a doctor, I have always thought that people who started their own companies were just way smarter than everyone else, like the Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerbergs in the world. And that's just, I've realized, especially through the entrepreneurship I had with the Center for Innovation Strategies, that's just not the case. You know, It's someone who sees a problem in society and wants to be the solution and help fix that my piece of advice is you're not stuck to your corporate job for the rest of your life you can really really expand your horizons and, and try something new and, and really pursue anything uh, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room to start a very successful company
3: absolutely you know and i we've talked to hundreds of business owners throughout our time on this podcast and if there's one thing in common it's not intelligence it's not <laughs> like that they were all just brilliant beyond belief it's hustle every single one of them had to hustle and get where they are and they've like you said they saw a problem decided to fix it and didn't take no for an answer so i think that's great advice really solid last question of the show centered around the theme here on conquering columbus and uh, mark here's heard it once before so we'll start with justin on this one but it's uh, centered around the theme here on conquering columbus which is live uncomfortably so Without telling you too much about why Josh and I chose that particular phrase, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career?
0: I think my mind instantly goes to waking up at 5:30 a.m. during my college career. You know, getting up for lift and, and practice, and in the moment, it, it absolutely sucks, and you don't want to do it. But in the long run, looking back on it now, <laughs> hindsight's always 2020. You mm-hmm. realize that. Those are the things that put you in front of other people in the world that make you successful. And no one really likes waking up at five 30 in the morning, but it's going to get you ahead in life. And Mm -hmm. that's uncomfortable, you know, and I feel like if you want to be successful, you need to take the uncomfortable path in life, a path where not many people want to take. And I don't know about you, but for me, when
3: I think about my time in college athletics, I don't remember any of the easy days. You know, I don't go Mm -hmm. back and think like, oh yeah, I remember that practice that one time where we didn't have to do anything. And I was real energetic and fine after practice. I remember the hardest days.
0: I totally totally agree with that. The one day that's so vivid in my mind is probably our Navy SEAL training. Yeah. And you think about it like (laughs) oh it's the
3: worst it's like the worst day of my entire college career. But it's the one that I remember and I remember it oddly in like a fond way. Like I if I had the opportunity Even though I hated every moment of that day. I think I would go back and do it again. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly right. It's that it's that experience that kind of bonds you to the team and you know you got better. So Cool. Good answer. Good answer. Mark, you want to go again, see if it matches up with the last time you said it? Probably will, but it won't. Um, (laughs) So, you
2: know, one of the things before I answer the question, I think is really interesting. You know, Justin had mentioned the Navy SEAL workout. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think sports, maybe outside of everything in life, aside from maybe the military, Mm -hmm. those experiences when you are just, you know, dead tired, you're bleeding, you're sweating but you're together as a team, like there's nothing like that in terms of building unity and bonding and just that camaraderie and, you know, the sports I played, the brotherhood as, Mm -hmm. as they look at it. And, you know, you hear that I've never served and thanks to those who have, but, you know, you hear similar things about the military. And I think short of that, you know, sports is probably the next closest thing to going through that experience. And, you know, so that speaks, I think, volumes to living uncomfortably. And for me, you know, I mean, obviously that all ties in, but I think it comes back to a growth mindset just in life in general. So, you know, ultimately, I think a lot of living is, you know, looking at who you once were, who you are today, who you want to be in the future and making things happen to go in that direction. I'm a big uh, atomic habits guy, James Clear, really cool stuff. If you haven't read that book, but it talks a little bit about how habits compound and, you know, everything you do every single day adds up. So, you know, if you're an athlete and you train one day, you know, big deal. You're not going to have huge improvements. But if you train an hour a day for thousands of days, day after day after day, that compounds. And so that's the compounding interest of our lives are those habits. So for me, I think it is applying habits and, you know, keeping a growth mindset and not being sort of complacent or good with the status quo. And, you know, really that should apply, I think, throughout our entire lives, not just, you know, in business, but also personally, you know, you hear people retiring and then they just, oh, what's what's my purpose? And, I think at that point, it's even more important to consider growth mindset. So just come back to growth mindset. It's uncomfortable to have a growth mindset because you're forcing yourself outside of what is to what could be, but that would be how I'd answer that question, I guess, today. We'll have to see if it matches up. Yeah,
3: yeah, and solid answers. And uh, thanks, both you guys, for joining us today. It's been great talking to you and learning more about Talent Share.
0: Really enjoyed being on here. Thank you for having us. Yeah,
2: thanks for having us. Sorry Josh wasn't here, but we'll, we'll catch up to him We soon. can make
3: fun of him for that, you know, so it doesn't matter. But Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed that episode and you want to learn more about Talent Share, go ahead and head to www.thetalentshare.com. You notice that the, by the way, like the Ohio State University. So thetalentshare.com. <laughs> Can't believe you got away with that
1: uh, I know, despite
2: the huh? trademark. Uh, <laughs> don't tell me.
3: So thetalentshare.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, leave us a like. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you are listening on. It really does help us out to have you subscribe. So we appreciate all your support. We'll talk to you next week.